Hello and welcome to the More Than Wellness podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm humbled that you've taken the time to listen. My name is Mick Ryan. I am a wellbeing facilitator, consultant, and now I'm a podcast host. So I work in Greater Melbourne and my clinic's based in Dorian and Avondale Heights, in which I work providing wellbeing services. Uh, I also do acupuncture and remedial massage. I do energetic healing and other spiritual and energetic work to facilitate healing on all levels. So our purpose on the More Than Wellness podcast is to be of service to your physical, emotional, mental, and above all your spiritual well-being to facilitate the integration of all these aspects of our being and to talk with guests who can also help to facilitate that journey. And today's episode is our first interview it's with Verena White, a local kinesiologist and transformational facilitator. I love that title. That's a great one. Uh, so Verena, like most wellness and well-being practitioners, came to kinesiology out of her own need and desire to heal and found that it worked so well that she decided that, hey, this is for me. So Verena has used kinesiology to take the driving seat and become the navigator of her own life. And those are Verena's words, not mine. And she can also help you to do the same using the awesome skills that she has developed uh, through her training and through her practice. So if you want to get in touch with Verena or myself, please listen to the end of the podcast for our contact details or go to the show notes on soliswellbeing.com.au forward slash podcasts or facebook.com forward slash more than wellness podcast. And I really hope you enjoy today's show. Thanks for listening. Verena. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Thank you so much for joining me on the More Than Wellness podcast. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. Um, so let's start off by you telling us uh, who you are. Give us a wee introduction about yourself. Okay. Um, my name is Verena White. I'm a kinesiologist. Um, and a lot of people ask what kinesiology is. So it is a natural modality it's a natural um natural medicine so what we do basically is we use muscle testing as the tool that we use we find where we're finding imbalances in the body so we also look at the chinese um five elements we look at the meridian so using the body's muscles not just one we actually test there's muscles that are attached to all different meridians so we're basically, we're looking for where there's an imbalance in the in someone's life. That imbalance could be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, nutritional. That is causing, sometimes people will come and it will be about physical pain. Um, and usually if there is a physical manifestation, we then bring it back to what the cause of that was, which is often and sometimes emotional. So we find the emotion that is attached to all imbalances. That's the kinesiology that I practice is called PKP, which is professional kinesiology practice. And I think the difference with that is that we actually do, when we find test muscle and it's weak, um, we find the emotion attached to all of that. And what we do is clear that emotion, but also find out what it's about. Is it, a, is it attached to some place in the meridian um, so it is about finding imbalances in the body and it is about finding the cause of why that imbalance came about, um, and speaking to the subconscious mind. So that is the, probably what sets us apart a little bit from other natural medicine is that we, we're using muscle testing to speak directly to your subconscious mind and we're using the body to do that. And then once we find the imbalance, we might speak to your conscious mind to get more of a conscious awareness about that issue, which could be anything, like I said, mental, emotional, physical, nutritional. So it, it covers broad range of things. And the what we use to clear covers a broad range of things. It could be a supplement. It could be a change of diet. It could be some acupressure points that we might need to rub, neuroemotional points could be um, affirmations, could be flower essence, could be an oil. So um, it could be even just simple awareness about talking about a situation. So it actually does cover quite a broad. 
So physical and counselling, I think it is. Okay. That is a lot. It is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds awesome um, because a lot of people I find don't know a huge amount, even practitioners Mm. um, like myself. I've done a little bit of AK testing in my training uh, at the Jadeson School, um, but I know kinesiologists so much more than just AK testing. That that is the tool, as you say, that you use. But obviously, as you're describing there, there's so much to it. Yeah. Um, So... How long does it take to train as a kinesiologist? Um, now there's the diploma, so that's about two and a half years. Okay. Um, two, two and a half, three years for to finish your diploma, and then after that you can do, obviously, other training. You can do your international diploma, which I have done, and then postgraduate after that you can do a kinesiopractic. So that is more aligned to the PKP kinesiology. Um, but once you have your diploma, you can sort of start adding other modalities and other, a lot of people do mindset coaching. I've done a little bit of theta healing, which I use. Um, you can actually pretty much add any other modality onto that because now you're testing up to see what is the best thing for that client. Okay. So, um, yeah, so when you were talking about, um, applied kinesiology, AK techniques like the, um, that was actually, that was the original kinesiology. It's it's only new as far as um, natural medicine goes compared to Chinese medicine. So it was started off as a chiropractor in America and he realized that when you fixed certain muscles or when you held a muscle in a certain position, it would be weak. So he was using muscle testing to find out what that was about. Now, since then, there's been so much other research and other practitioners and um, they do finger modes also. I use finger modes to test up. Like I have like a database that I use. So like I said, doc, the PKP was started by a man called Dr. Ju, who's based in New Zealand. And um, we use finger modes and that has a range of, um, I could show you the database. I think I've got one on my iPad, but it's like a page. Okay. So you can't remember, you know, you don't need to remember everything because sure. you're testing up. So you'll, so your fingers would have electrical, emotional, personal ecology, structural, okay, self. For those who can't see, oh, oh no, that's, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I was doing my finger bites. So you're going through from uh, the little finger, the ring finger, the yeah. um, the large finger, and then the index finger, and they represent different aspects of your. Functioning of the human condition. Yeah, so this is how we can find out and narrow down what the issue is with that particular client. So if they came in and you would use your finger modes to sort of narrow that the priority down. I'm just going to uh, turn off the heater here because it feels like it's getting oh, very it's a bit warm. warm. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay, so um, yeah, the finger modes. So yeah. that's another branch, another way of working with it and tracking and getting to the bottom of, of what Yeah, so is it's going not on. just asking questions. There is a method as well that finger modes is another tool. Scanning is another tool. Um, it is quite amazing what comes up when you're, when you're dealing with the subconscious mind and I think tapping into a, a force greater than, than we're aware of. Like sometimes I will use muscle testing and test, is there something I need in the room? And it will show up. Could okay. even be a book, and it'll be maybe it's something out of a book someone needs to know. So it is the muscle testing. Some people I think think that I'm clairvoyant, but I'm not. It's just actually there. This is the innate intelligence yeah. of the body that you're Absolutely. tapping into. Yeah. Okay. So when you say you, for example, you look around a room, and, and do you, do you feel drawn to a particular book that you'll actually test with that book, or how how do you sometimes that? I would like, for example, and because you can't see, there is a bookshelf here, yeah. I would test. Like I would sort of look at that shelf, that shelf, and I would be testing um, a muscle and it will go down and then I right. can test a book and then I might go through the table of contents and find something in there. I mean, that doesn't happen always, but sometimes if if my finger modes aren't working, if what I have isn't, you know, if that isn't what the body needs or the person needs, I will find something that is for them. Yeah. And sometimes even before I go to clinic, I will test up, what do I need to take today? Is there something specific I need? Okay. 
It's, it's for me. It's it's really it's fascinating. It's really interesting because, um, it it sounds to a lot of people like it's hocus pocus when you when you when you think of it like that. But yeah. um, in my experience of AK testing, um, I've for example tested foods. I remember one night I had some friends over, and um, you know we got a, we got some milk, and we got some wheat, and we got some chocolate, and I did a baseline test with them, and um, you know bring the arm out to that point where you test yeah. it, and you feel. The baseline, and when you feel someone's baseline, you know, you feel that resistance, they feel strong, no problems there, as is often the case. And then you get them to hold, say, for example, milk, and then you resist, and all of a sudden the arm has no energy, no strength in it. And they can't understand why and they can't hold it up. It doesn't up. make sense mm. to them at all, but the body energy is just not there. And no matter how much they try to resist when they're holding, for example, milk, if they have a milk allergy that they might not have even been aware of before, there is literally no strength. And then you go back, you take it away and you go back to the baseline and the strength is there again. Mm. And so for me, what what you're saying makes perfect sense. I, I understand that. I but, know. I yeah. usually probably don't go into so much detail when I'm explaining, but it just sort of um, a great way to test, to show how this works, to show the person is with um, what I think kinesiology is amazing for is limiting beliefs and sabotage programs which is something I'm really passionate about because I think behind a lot of wellness issues, be it mental, emotional, physical, there is a belief underneath all of that that is probably um, creating resistance to healing. Um, And some of that obviously could be definitely emotional when we have limiting beliefs. It could be about financial, could be about relationships, could could be about healing itself a belief that they can't heal. And to test up someone's belief that they consciously might believe that they do, they consciously believe, I believe I can heal or I want to be well. That is a good one because the people maybe hold um, their willingness to be well subconsciously isn't there because of the benefits of being sick. And that could be anything like getting welfare, having um, someone look after you or not having to work. There could be many benefits that they subconsciously aren't aware of, so it's not saying it's something you're conscious of, but the muscle testing can show where those sabotage programs are and how to clear them. And sometimes it is just awareness that can help someone move through that that what is stopping them moving forward in their life. So the sabotage programs is, you know, even as simple as I love myself to test up on that, people say, oh, I love myself mm-hmm. or I know what it's like to be loved or things like that and it will show, it will drop. And then maybe okay. another a thing we can do with that is actually do an age regression, test up the age where maybe that sabotage started okay. and clear it back at that age. So, so how would that work? So that would be, so for example, how old are you, Mick? Uh, 43. 43. So I would... Test up, so at 43, 43 to 33, 33 to 23, and the arms will drop in that decade. Oh, wow. And then I will go to that exact age. I will then find an emotion attached to that, and then we would talk to your conscious mind about what's going on, what happened. A lot of the time people will have a memory of something that, oh, that's when uh, my parents got divorced or that's where my younger brother and sister were born or, you know, there'll be some thing in their life that happened, some major thing. And sometimes it might take a little bit of talking to to find that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they don't know and that's okay because it could be just something physical that's held in the body that I might just have to rub a couple of points okay. to clear that. So there may not be any conscious memory or anything that does. Might not be conscious, especially you know if it's, it's a memory in that first couple of years of life. It could be as simple as like... Um, there's one mode where we they're called the amygdala, and it'll be a an oil maybe that will clear that because it'll be a smell. Maybe it's something they needed to feel comforting with, so it'll be a smell that can clear that negative thought. Okay, well, the amygdala obviously is sorry, I'll say obviously, in the in the brain. It's, it's um, strongly linked to emotion, mm. and emotion response, fright or yeah. flight. So you're in that first yeah. couple of years. So um, there is. Different things that you can do. If people don't remember, maybe they don't need to remember. Yeah. So, and that's okay. I remember um, a Vedic astrologer saying to me many years ago, he said, how do you know God forgives you? 
I said, I don't know. He said, he lets you forget. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't think if things don't show up to remember, I don't necessarily think you need to push it. Sometimes sure. you need to clear it just from the body. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. One of the things um, we covered in my training in trauma release exercises mm. is this idea that um, I think the way it was described to me was your issues are in your tissues. Yes. And another way I've heard it, Carolyn Mace described it this way, is your biography becomes your biology. Yes. It's like your, your subconscious mind is, is manifested in your physical being. It's like everything gets pushed down into the subconscious pops up somewhere in the body. It's Absolutely. like the body's a perfect reflection of what's going on in the subconscious. I think our bodies are great storytellers. Yeah. Yeah. Like I will get someone come in and their body will tell me a story about their life where they've been, what heartbreak they've had, where there's been pain, and it manifests in your body 100%. Yeah. Like I think I, I, think I heard in an interview with Brene Brown, um, she said the body keeps score. <laughs> the body keeps the score. That's actually a book. I yeah. think, yes, it is. It is book, yeah. The body keeps score. Yeah. But I hadn't, heard, I hadn't read the book, but I had heard her say it, and I thought it, it does. Yeah. So even, you know, I find myself, if I've got, some sort of pain or issue, I will look at the metaphysical aspect of that. Like, oh, what's that about? That was like, and especially if it's chronic pain, sometimes if it keeps coming back, um, you know, I've been, I do go to chiropractors or osteopaths and sometimes I do the work on myself. I go there to have the adjustment, mm -hmm. but I'll find the emotion and test up if there's, you know, do I need to find out what it's about or do I, was there, is there something I need to clear? But there is, especially that there's so many emotions attached, um, part of the kinesiology process is the emotions are attached to the meridians and the muscles are attached to, there's all these muscles that are with the different meridians, like on the lung meridian. And like your psoas is, and I better get this right, pretty sure it's a kidney meridian. And um, and the psoas always like that's an interesting muscle that goes out, especially when people are. Sometimes say it's the muscle of the soul. Yes. Yeah. And I think like people that have um, that sort of anxiety or depression or things, it sort of it does it does fall out a little bit. It's, it's interesting you say that because I had something I encounter in clinic all the time. Yeah. Yeah, people who have issues with depression and anxiety, um, oftentimes they have recurrent back issues and the psoas is implicated in that. Oh. Yeah. And with the kidneys in Chinese medicine, um, the kidneys govern the low back area as well as sexual function. Now the psoas comes right yes, down right into through the groin. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's it's an interesting um, association yeah. there. That muscle, I chose that one because that one does show up a lot. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and large intestine. Which is a muscle along the like the fasciolata muscle is the fasciolata. Yeah, yeah, that's the um, the large intestine, and that especially people got digestive issues okay. and things. And yeah, so it's interesting what muscles. There's a whole group of muscles attached to different meridians, and they're where we might keep something. And when you sort of and it when it's attached to maybe. The other thing I didn't mention that we do in the kinesiology session is set a goal for the session if it's needed, more a goal, intention, whatever it is. You know, I'll ask the client, well, what would your life be like if this wasn't an issue? And then that's when the session starts all around that intention that what is the priority to fix? What is the cause of this issue that we need to clear? And, of course, it's not a one session. Sometimes it could be. Sometimes it could it's be many. Yeah. yeah. If it's taken 20 years to get there, it's not going to be cleared in one session. My Chinese medicine professor used to say, if you've had it for years, it takes months. If you've had it for months, it takes weeks. If you've had it for weeks, it takes days. Mm. That makes sense. I think I heard one where it was like, if you got lost, if it took you a day to get lost in a forest, do you expect to get out in five minutes? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. No. So, but, you know, sometimes it could be if someone's done a lot of work on themselves and they have a great self-awareness, yeah. you know, maybe it doesn't take as long, but it, it's hard to tell. There's never a sort of a 
as you probably know, is straight rule. Well, with that. yeah, we're. I mean, we are a quick fix society in many ways. We expect mm. to take a pill and feel better, and, mm. and people often take that attitude into um, complementary alternative medicine, thinking I'm just going to go and I'm just going to feel better. And sometimes it just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work straight away, and um, people have impatience around that and can't persevere with the treatment. And they'll bounce from one thing to one thing to one thing and, and never see one particular treatment through to actually a conclusion to getting better. I know, and sometimes I think that is their sabotage program coming into play. Yeah, I'd agree that, with that. Um, oh, my God, I could actually feel better with this, but I don't Who think I, I want to. I'm too attached to yeah. what way the way I am. And you're right, it's a quick fix. I've had people like, oh, how, you know, how long is it going to take to fix me? But I don't want to do anything different. Yeah, I don't want to make any changes. I don't want to make yeah. any changes in my life. I don't want to do anything different. And from my experiences that, you know, change is inevitable and important. And if you want to feel different, you have to do something different. <laughs> well, if we never changed, we'd still be primordial blobs of slime. Exactly. In a pool somewhere. Yeah. So change is necessity. And life is evolution. expansion. And expansion is learning more and opening our hearts to new experiences and and you know healing is totally about that in every way yeah mind body soul absolutely hmm. um so going back to what you were talking about earlier on um just in terms of what you actually do as a kinesiologist uh, we talked about ak testing and, and mm -hmm. testing uh, the energies and the association the emotions um to do with that but you also mentioned uh, supplements, uh, dietary changes, essential oils, things like that. Yes. So is that a big part of your training as a kinesiologist? Um, the nutrition is, we definitely do a few subjects on it. Mm -hmm. If someone has got real dietary issues, I would then refer them on to a dietitian or someone else. Okay. Even structural, we do do structural aspects. But if someone is, I would find emotions about it and then I would refer them on to another practitioner to to go further on that if they needed. If they weren't finding relief with what I was doing, then maybe they do need something deeper. I think that's where lots of different modalities complement each other. But, yeah, so I could probably find out, you know, if, um, you know, like if someone's got an intolerance and I could balance them to maybe that they're not so intolerant or maybe find out that they need to make changes in their diet and test up what foods they need to eat. Um, test up where in the nutri in the digestive process maybe they're having problems, be it in um, elimination or be it in um, assimilation, so the six stages of digestion. I might test out where their issue is with that and then go further. Um, whether they need detoxification. But, like, then again, too, I would be referring them on to something. I can test up maybe a detoxification, but maybe they need to go further. So, but, yeah, we don't, we do do, we're not trained as a naturopath or mm -hmm. a nutritionist, but okay. definitely we can, we've done, you do cover that in the course, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um. And you mentioned we'll probably learn more about it than doctors. I, think oh, they, sure. I don't think okay. they do much of it at all. I don't think they do much nutritional training unless yeah. they specialise, yeah. So that was that's that is definitely sort of one element of it, but not total focus. So I usually some and you know, some kinesiologists are really amazing at that part of it. I don't think it's my genius, so I will do as best I can. I can test up supplements and absolutely what people need, what they're missing. If they need more than that and if I feel they need greater guidance with their diet, definitely refer them on to a nutrition okay. nutritionist. But knowing um, who to refer to as well can be a skill yes. in itself. Yes. Yeah. So actually I don't know. A, I, oh, actually I do know a nutritionist, but I haven't actually had to refer anyone yet, so I haven't. Okay. But... Um, yeah, to know the right person. So then you have to either, if you don't know anyone, I'd be very, I would probably say for them to, I would I would either do the research and find someone for them or they might have someone in mind anyway. Hmm. Okay. So. Right. Um, 
what I'd really like to know then is what brought you to kinesiology? How did you come about? How did it? Yeah, that's a good story. And every kinesiologist I speak to has a story. And when I started studying, it's usually women, some men, but obviously there's a majority of women, and it's there's some change that's happened in their life. I don't think you leave school thinking, I want to be a kinesiologist. So I studied reflexology. I was originally corporate. I did marketing. Um, I worked in, fin- in, fin- in finance for a little while and PR and um, also real estate also. So when I was pregnant with my son, so going back over 10 years ago, I um, started studying reflexology. I was, was, wasn't working at the time and I just was drawn to, I'd had it done and I really loved it. So then I, that was my first sort of um, introduction to natural therapy. And I started studying that and um, loved it. But I didn't really see myself being a reflexologist. Then I moved to Melbourne and um, I was going to finish my reflexology diploma and and then I found kinesiology. I'd heard of it and I'd had it when I was pregnant. I had applied kinesiology with um, a chiropractor who helped me a lot with um, morning sickness and everything. Um, so I knew of that. I didn't know what I do now. And I was going through, um, my marriage was breaking down. And because I decided to study kinesiology, which I had just had a need that I wanted to study this modality because I like the sound of it, I had my first introduction by getting kinesiology um, um, treatment. And as I was going through, I was realized that I was quite depressed, which I wasn't actually um, dealing. Well, I was dealing with it because I had a young child, but my marriage was breaking down. So I was in a real change in my life and I knew something had to change. And I started studying kinesiology and it turned my life around, changed everything. So I did get divorced, which okay. was a good thing. <laughs> and But it just changed. It just opened up a whole new door of feeling happy about life, about just finding there was another way. So it did get me out of a really dark place. So I probably wasn't living the most healthy life at that time, so I I thank it. And studying that was like probably one of the best things I ever did. So and then after that I just didn't want to go back to corporate. I wanted to be a kid. I wanted to share the knowledge I'd gained and experience to help other people. Like you can change your life. Like once you start working with the body, you can change everything. And you start working with the emotions and your spiritual connection, like bringing all three together, which I'm a big advocate for the mind-body-spirit connection, is um, will change your life. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. And I had no other sort of exposure to it at all so okay yeah it's what you're saying and it's often the case i find with pretty much every complementary practitioner whether they be an acupuncturist or Mm. or whether they're kinesiologist or reflexologist or whether they're a naturopath it's often down to their experience with that thing um, and it's usually a case that they've really benefited from in their life. Mm. And that's what's motivated them then to say, oh, hey, this has been wonderful for me. Maybe I'd like to go uh, study this because, you know, I certainly, as you say, I didn't graduate from school thinking, hey, I want to be an acupuncturist or uh, I want to do spiritual and energetic healing. Mm. Um, those things never even entered my consciousness. I didn't even know about it. And like kinesiology is something that most people wouldn't know about until they experience it and then. And they experience it, it's like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This, this has really helped me. And oftentimes that's what the motivating thing is. Yes, I love this. I'm passionate about it. It's really helped me. And I want to share that. I want to help other people now in the same way that I've been helped. And I think it because kinesiology is, has so many aspects to it, it's not just one modality. And even though I really enjoyed reflexology and I do use it in my practice, um, I love that it, it actually encompassed like I love the emotional side of it and fight and the sabotage and you know about your limiting beliefs and how 
this is all trapped in your body and your subconscious mind knows everything. So it take, I just love that it took me to a whole other level. And you're right, everyone that um, I did, studied with, it was always, there was a story. There was a story, well, I, um, you know, I had chronic fatigue and it helped me through that or I was had dep- chronic depression or I was in pain. There is always a story that takes them to the next level. So I think that's why I think um, sometimes natural therapies aren't always your first port of call. It's always maybe a transitional vocation. Yeah. It's, it's often the last protocol for a lot of people. Yeah. Like I've tried everything else, it's not working, and then they rock up at our door and say, you've got to fix me. Absolutely, yeah. It's always after they've done everything else yeah. that they think, all right, I've got nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing is, constant alternative medicine is best as uh, prevention, as a way mm. of stopping you from getting sick, as a way of getting you to health and maintaining health, um, rather than when you get really really sick and then looking for it as an intervention it's not to say that it can be beneficial in that way because we treat people all the time in those situations but it is at its best prevention for sure prevention yeah as maintaining health yeah like um finding out before things manifest physically to work on your body on all levels before you get the pain before you get disease is um it's such a shame that it's not promoted more on that path and not not supported by the, um, I don't know, what you call them, the powers that be that decide who gets rebates and who gets, you know. Yeah. Um, actually, a friend of mine who's suffering from cancer at the moment who is very into allopathic medicine is at that point in, oh, I keep seeing kinesiology around now. I keep, you know, now can you tell me some thing about it because it's like what I'm getting done isn't working or it's not doing what I think it should be doing because there's other aspects to illness there's other aspects of emotions and how you feel and to sort of try and help someone through that you might not cure people all the time you know you could but um it's about helping them through that journey also like because rather than you know, always just taking the pill and let's see you later. Hmm. You know, um, I think uh, it's more nurturing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think one of the things about conventional medicine is it's very much based on the ideology of isolate and destroy when it comes to illness. Mm. Figure out what that thing is and just eliminate it. And if it's a symptom, it's let's get rid of the symptoms. Yes. And a lot of the treatments are to do with symptoms. And that's not to say that conventional medicine is not amazing. You know, if I break my leg, I'm not going to go to an acupuncturist. No. I'm going to go to the hospital. 100%. If I'm in a car crash, I want to go to the hospital. I'm not going to go to a naturopath. You know, so it's certainly, we have to know that there, there certainly is a place for it. But um, there's a philosophy in Chinese medicine that goes back many years, and this was taught to me when I was training, is that um, there's three kinds of doctor. There is an average doctor, and they treat symptoms. Mm. There's a good doctor, and they deal with the causes. And then there's a superior doctor, and they don't treat illness at all. They don't are not interested in illness. They're just interested in health. And um, I, I feel that then as a practitioner of natural medicine, that's what we should be doing. We're, we're focused on health. We, you know, sometimes, yeah, we do have to do treat illness and treat symptoms. But, you know, ultimately we want to focus on let's get to health and let's maintain that. Because a lot of people will come with physical aspects, be it um I mean, even depression is a symptom of a situation. Anxiety is a symptom of something that's going on. Headaches, back pain, um, chronic illness is a symptom. Like I think chronic illness, what's coming up in today's society, is showing that there's more. No one knows. Like people go, the doctors don't know what's wrong with me. No one knows what's wrong with me. And I think that is a huge thing where we've got to look at encompassing on a greater field, like, well, if someone is ill, there is something wrong with them, but mm-hmm. let's go further. What is it? If you don't know what it is by blood tests and if this pill doesn't work or, you know, then, then you know, I think we're crying out to go further. What emotional things that we're just pushing down, 
So, yeah, I think that chronic illness is a big one, I think. Yeah. That is showing up everywhere and no one really knows the amount of time I get people to come in and they say, the doctors don't know what's wrong with me. But, you know, I don't feel good. Yeah. So something's obviously wrong. Mm, they yeah. can't cut it out. They can't burn it. They can't give me a pill so they don't know what's wrong with me. So. And that's dis-ease. Yes. Dis-ease. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it, as you're talking about, you know, the, that connection between the, the emotions, the, the physical, the spiritual and the mental. And that, again, is where um, complementary medicine uh, really comes in because we do, that's what holistic is. It's looking at, at the, the whole body picture and how yeah. it interacts, you know, and it's something that's not often taken into account in um, conventional medicine. Um, everybody does their thing um, and nobody's really looking at the big picture. Like, what, what are the emotions um, that are attached? To the cancer, you know, what what preceded that because there usually is something going on. And that's where diagnosing from, say, a Chinese medicine perspective, in my case, can come in handy because we notice emotions attached to different organs. Yes. You know, we have fear attached to the kidneys. We have anger attached to the liver. Mm. Um, grief attached to the grief lungs. Grief attached to the lungs, exactly. Yeah, and of course, you, uh, in kinesiology, you use the wuxing, the five-phase theory. Um, I don't know that terminology. Wuxing is, is the Chinese term for the five-phase theory, oh, five elements. okay, the five elements, yeah. okay. So do you want to talk a little bit about the five elements and, and your experience of that? So I use that as my guiding pretty much with everything. So what I do is I test up um, what we call alarm points, which I know in Chinese medicine there'd be other. So I test up and it's... Um, on each of the five elements. So I'll test what what is this related to, what's the priority, and usually there will be one attached to it. And I'll test the muscle. And from there I go from there and I find the emotion. And then I'll find, um, so it's my guiding, where is it? Where is it on the meridian system? So what is it about? Is it about grief? Is it about fear? Is it about, um, well, I've got it here. So I'll just, oh, I need my. So the gallbladder about anger or helplessness. So in the bladder about fear, anxiety, dread. So there's um, the large intestine, which is a big one, letting go, but also guilt, regret, release, self-worth. So I find out what it, and it's all, like I said, there's an intention at the beginning of each session. So everything will come back to that. So these emotions, and then we work it out from there, like, um, not only do we do physical work, but the person's awareness that, oh, yeah, that this happened to me once. And, or, yes, I do have these self-worth issues. So, you know, just start working on that instead of just trying to fix um, my digestive issue or fix this pain in my back, I need to work on my self-worth issues. I need to work on my self-love. So you're going on a whole other path there. And, you know, sometimes it could be feelings, feelings of being not worthy. Maybe this pain happened because I've been applying for all these jobs and I didn't get them. And now I feel like I don't, I feel apathy. I feel, so, you know, we work on those issues. How do we build, how do we clear that? How do we build someone up? How do we, and then, you know, through sometimes awareness, the muscle will hold and it's, you know, all the affirmation that dropped or the belief that was there, they start to hold and the, the body starts to believe it. And when the body believes it, then we can start changing the subconscious mind and, the, and then the conscious mind will follow. So, yeah, it's, like I said, like you were saying, holistic. Yeah. So I think I, I work a lot on the emotional side of things. Structural things do come up for me, but I guess everyone's different. Like the there's so many different types of kinesiology, and um, I wouldn't talk on other ones because I don't know much about them. But yeah, the emotional aspect is a big part of what I do, yeah. and it's where I find people get the most um, relief, and they want to be heard. Oh, you know that about me? Things that they, they think, how would anyone? Or the th you know, maybe the stories in their life that they don't feel like they can tell anyone. Maybe they're holding resentment where they felt they shouldn't. And they because you're suppressing that resentment, you're actually causing issues 
you know, manifesting physical issues in your body. Yeah. Or maybe manifesting depression or anxiety or um, feelings of unworthiness and, you know, you feel like you're in a loop. I keep making the same decisions because I haven't dealt with that feeling. So the emotional part is is the core of what I do, I believe, and we just use the body as a tool to get there. Yeah, because the body is a reflection. Yeah. It mirrors it. It mirrors yeah. it. What was the thing about the the my biology is my... Uh, your biography becomes your biology. Biography becomes your biology. I really like that. And uh, an analogy I heard for it recently, uh, was, I think it was Peter Levine who um, described it this way, um, who's one of the world's foremost trauma experts. Mm. He talks of the story of um, Perseus and the Medusa. And uh, the Medusa with the, the serpents yes. uh, on her head. And if you look straight at her, you turn to stone. Um, which in trauma terms is, is the freeze response. You, yes. know, you go from your, your normal state into your fight or flight. And when your, your sympathetic nervous system is active and you're, you're, you're totally activated. And then the next stage is freeze. And that's like that turning to stone. And um, Perseus, he can't look straight at her to defeat her. What he has to use is the shield, which acts as the mirror, which sends a reflection back to her. And the way he described it is the body is the mirror of what's going on in the subconscious. She's the subconscious um, and the body is the mirror. So you're using the body to heal the subconscious. So that's the mirror reflecting back. I love that. That was his explanation. I thought, yeah, it was really, really Yeah, good. the freeze. Actually, I heard and um, a teacher told me, not like not that long ago actually, I did a, a workshop and it was saying that in in utero, what like we're talking about the emotions we feel. So in utero we feel um, it's the fright, flight, freeze, um, sort of more reactions than emotions. And then we start to feel emotions outside of the womb. I don't know if that's true, but I kind of I'm I like the idea how we learn to react to things before we're even consciously aware of anything. And especially that that zero to seven age, even zero to four, when we're in a different brainwave, how this then plays out. I think that's what I hear with a lot of, I believe it too, even for myself, is that zero to seven and then we spend the rest of our life unwinding what we learnt in those, you know, first years of our life. Um, Our belief systems, you know, how how we deal with money, how we deal with health. What, what benefited you as a child maybe, um, for example, being an only child and I got a lot of attention when I was sick and then illness comes up and, and you know, those belief patterns that we do need to unwind. Where the, and it is the willingness, am I willing to go there? Because sometimes that healing is not always pleasant. Sure. I mean, yeah. what you have to become aware of and take responsibility for isn't always pleasant, but the end result is magnificent. Well, it's like, you know, you're giving birth to a new self. You know, giving birth is a pretty traumatic process, but at yeah. the end of it, you have this wonderful baby. And yeah. it's like when you're healing, it's almost like you're giving birth to a new self. has to be a new self because yeah. the old self was the one that created these issues for you. So if you want a new self, if you want a new life, you have to create a new self. And... Using these kinds of modalities is part of that journey to create your new self. And I think a lot of people, especially, you know, when you start reaching mid-30s, going into 40, I think people start questioning their lives and start looking at the and the things that they thought should fulfill them don't or things start to go wrong in their body and it's because they haven't, they've lost what they are supposed to be or what they what makes them happy they don't even know so that journey is to find that and the body will lead you there because the body if you keep ignoring probably what is going on in your mind it's going to come out in your body to say listen to me (laughs) and the body doesn't lie no listen to me so you'll end up somewhere until you deal with it So, yeah, it is a journey. You have to become, you have to be the willingness to change. I think that is so important for any healing, wellness, well-being, to create a happy life, to create your best life. It's the willingness to change. If you want the same, do the same. Yeah. 
but you know when people end up on our door they want change it's just are they willing to go there it's <laughs> like that einstein quote uh, the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome oh, absolutely it's true yeah. it's just and even myself i can see myself doing the same thing sometimes i go at least I know, I know, so I'll take responsibility for it. If things don't work out, it's because I I did that. I keep doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, it is it is work. It's um, but it's good work because it's a good result. And I think at the yeah. end of the day, what do we want? We want to be happy. We want to be healthy. We want to have. We want peace in our lives, and to create that is a holistic solution. Uh, so, where to from here? What's your intention as a practitioner? Where do you want to go um, from here? Have intentions and plans? I do. Um, at the moment, yes, I love working one-on-one with clients, but I am trying, I am going to start, well, I actually have started doing workshops and looking at doing more group um, work because I think sometimes people will come to you one-on-one what, like you said, when things have really gone bad for them. But I think in workshops, you can start creating awareness and people start working on themselves before it gets to that point. So I want to start creating workshops and be it physical because I think that is really amazing when people get together as a group because I think great healing happens when you come together as a group. The energy is different. But in this day and age, I think it's also putting things online. So I want to put some courses and sort of workshop where I can work with clients online too over um, Zoom or iMessage. You know, it is possible to do this kind of work online as well, not just face-to-face, but to create stuff so people can start doing their work prior or they start getting... um, information and then you know they don't have to come as often or this is more prevention you know so um definitely doing workshops and um creating more of group um teaching you know to get people from i don't know what to do to oh well here's a start and you know so an introductory so i i do I started a book club, which was um, sort of initiation, just sort of introductory spiritual self-help books that people start reading when they're like asking questions about their life. So creating a space, and I think I will take this online because to finding people to actually come and meet places is not always. I get a lot of interest online, but then when when you have people to actually come to a physical place, not as much. But, you know, to teach people like, oh, well, this book, and they've got no one to talk to about. I read Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life, or I read The Alchemist. I read um, Power of Now. And they don't really have anyone to share it with. It would be really great to find a community, you know, as a as people start awakening, as I call it, or as they start asking questions and start questioning their own life and where they're going, you know, to create a safe, beautiful community to lead people through that transition to that trans- the start of their transformation. Okay. And also, yeah, because when people turn up to come one-on-one, they're already down so far, the rabbit hole. So before you can, you need to bring them up. And sometimes that work can be done before they get there, which would be great. Yeah. Which, yeah. So that's, that's my, um, is to start bringing that out more into the, the public and doing workshops to sort of help people get started on their journey earlier before they start manifesting physical and mental symptoms. Yeah. Sounds awesome. That's the plan. (laughs) Um, So where and when is your, uh, I guess, is the Spiritual Book Club? Spiritual Book Club I hold in South Morang and that is um, the second Wednesday of the month at the Riverside Centre. So um, we've been meeting there for a year. So if you go to my website, which is www.enso.net.au, there is book club information on there. On the website, there's also workshops that I'm holding. I'm holding a workshop in a couple of weeks at Epping at Sacred Keys, where I work out of. Um, 
and that will be on limiting beliefs and sabotage programs. And it is an introductory course. Where my limiting beliefs come from? How do I identify what they are? Why did they come up? So there's like a program on how to start identifying what my beliefs are. And then there's, you know, when you want to do extra work to clear them, if they're not something that you feel like you can do yourself, well, then there's the opportunity to come work with me. Um, I also work at Rivers at Yarrambat. So I'm there by appointment. So all my details are on my website. So okay. So how do you spell the website? It's enso, which is E-N-S-O dot net dot A-U. Okay. So um, I'll, I'll add a link to that on my website and then yes. when we posted the podcast, I should link to it to the website. We should be able to find that information. We'll add your phone number as well. That would be wonderful. Um, Facebook page, anything else that you have there for people that they can find you easily? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's not under my name. It is under the Enso brand, which I chose, the Enso is the Japanese circle. Okay. Um, which you'll, which obviously you can't see on the podcast, but you'll see when you get yeah. to the website, which is a sign of, I chose that because it is a circle um, of maybe the life circle, the life, um, you know, as transformation that, you know, during life we go on a circle, we go on a journey. And um, the circle when it's closed is perfection and the circle when it's half, when it's a little bit open is that we're still on our path. And that's how I see the journey with working with me with kinesiology is it is, you know, transformation with what we're working with. Transformation. Mm. Awesome. That's, That's what it's it. all about. That's what it's about. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, Verena, for Thank you. Uh, I really enjoyed it. That was, yeah. that was fun. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. That was our interview. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. We really had a great time. If you want to get in touch with Verena, you can find her at enzo.net.au or facebook.com enzo kinesiology so that's facebook.com forward slash enzo kinesiology farina's phone number is 0403-235-919 and she is based at rivers of yarambat and sacred keys in epping if you want to get in touch with me you can find me at solacewellbeing.com.au or facebook.com forward slash solacewellbeing uh, the podcast page is facebook.com forward slash more than wellness podcast Please like, share and follow us on iTunes, Spotify and whatever else you use to access your podcasts. And I would absolutely love to get your feedback and comments. For those of you who are local to Doreen, I'm running six free, I said free, fortnightly classes in trauma release exercises at our beautiful studio in Doreen starting this Saturday the 10th of August at 3pm. As I say, they will be running fortnightly, so it will be 12 weeks in total. Uh, spaces are limited so please get in quick and drop me an email a facebook message or call if you'd like to book a place over the coming weeks and thanks again so much for listening and stay well